This is Model Minority Report, a podcast about dismantling Asian American stereotypes one episode at a time. We examine pop culture, nerd culture, and everything in between to explain why representation matters. Ultimately, why we matter. Hey, and welcome. You are listening to the Model Minority Report podcast. I'm your host, Ali Marino. And we're back for episode two. I'm so excited that you're still here. I'm excited that I'm still here. (laughs) Um, Being a podcast noob, it's very hard to, one, not only have to listen to your voice um, playing back on a recording, um, but also not to like nitpick every little single little thing that you said um, and want to cringe or erase the entire thing just because you said something you thought was dumb or not exactly the right thing or you misspoke or whatever it is. But thus is the nature of podcasting. And so I'm trying really hard to get over it. Um, in reality, I mean, I think that podcasting and podcasts in general are um, very adjacent to creative writing, which is my background, as I mentioned. And it's just a different, I mean, people think that if you're a writer, you're like supposed to be super articulate and they're totally different, two different ways of communicating. But either way, I mean, it's putting your thoughts out there. It's feeling like you have something to say to the world and wanting to share that insight and, um, create something that somebody else might enjoy consuming. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I think that I wanted to start off too and answer some questions or comments that um, I got after the first episode. So again, I welcome and encourage questions, comments, dialogue, you know, whatever it is, engagement, because that's what it's all about. Like I, you know, you put the podcast out there hoping that it will stir up conversations. And so I am very happy that people have come to me Um, and said, hey, well, what are your thoughts on this? Or what do you think about this? So one of the recurring questions um, that I got, and I think that a lot of people um, have been posing just in general, um, kind of coming back to Crazy Rich Asians and and some of the hype and the history um, and the historical nature of, of the film itself. So when we say, like, first film of all Asian cast um, in 25 years, um, people are saying, hey, what about Jackie Chan films? What about Kung Fu movies? What about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Um, and you're right. Um, Jackie Chan is a very famous <laughs> um, actor who um, made a ton of movies that were very popular in the U.S., um, but I would say that, one, it's not in all, typically not in all Asian cast, um, so depending on the film. Two, a lot of these other kung fu, I don't know how many Jackie Chan movies because there are like seemingly hundreds of them, um, but these big budget ones like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon or, um, oh, now I can't think of, House of Fine Daggers, right? Where They were international films um, that were actually not made or produced in the U.S., but they were made for international release. So while we did see them, they were either made abroad and meant for this international release. So it's the first... So to clarify, um, Crazy Rich Asians is the first film out of a Hollywood production company, right, made for U.S. audiences um, initially and talking, again, ensemble cast. Um, And I'd go further than that to even say that, like, kung fu movies, (laughs) um, while very popular and um, successful 
in the U.S. I think as a whole, if we step back and look at perceptions of the Asian American community, um, lots of stereotypes were built on that. So because there were so many and only kung fu films um, that made up Asian representation in Hollywood or in film, it resulted in people assuming that all Asians um, knew kung fu. So I can probably tell you a ton of people who have been asked or it's been assumed that you know some type of martial art because you are Asian. So in my perspective, it's Kung Fu movies were not exactly pushing, moving the needle forward um, in terms of Asian American representation and um, shaping the <laughs> perception of Asians in, um, in the world at large. So that's what I will say about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the rolling theme of the questions. Um, and, and again, and a lot of, you know, a lot more mixed reviews are coming out and a lot more criticisms like I like I touched on in the last episode, like, no, it's not a perfect film. But again, like, take it for what it's worth. It's great. And no, I don't think that it's necessarily glorifying um, the rich. I mean, it's, we still have it from Rachel... Chu's perspective of an outsider um, seeing this kind of extravagance and um, being a fish out of water in a sense, right? So again, like there, yeah, it's not perfect. There are some problems. There are some things and some people and some types of representation that are missing. Um, but again, I didn't go in expecting this film to do everything for everyone. So um, I, I won't talk anymore about that but I did want to add just a theory that I had so after watching it a second time um I picked up on something that I think just really resonates with me being a mother and seeing the film again and just being able to really soak it in without being so excited just to see Asian people on the screen um that gave me a chance to actually um give a little bit more of an analytic um kind of perspective but anyway so I think what my theory is is that the Mahjong scene being as important as it was um, to Rachel confronting Eleanor right um, and kind of making the choice for Nick that she was going to reject him or you know not marry him and um, kind of show her hand literally and figuratively to to say okay I I concede here and I'm making this choice and I'm gonna walk away um and everyone talks about it like this is a pivotal point that Eleanor kind of finally changes her mind right as a mother and re-watching that scene I don't know if that was it I my <laughs> contentious theory is going to be that it was in fact Eleanor seeing Rachel's mom in the end and that stare down was what tipped her over the edge so I think in Eleanor's mind the entire film she's protecting her son from you know a certain life or a certain path um, that she thinks will lead him to something or a life that is not successful or a life that is tainted in some way right so as a mother right you would do anything and everything to protect your child and that's Eleanor's perspective right is that she's hates Rachel because she wants to protect him from scandal or, um, you know, having this relationship that will make him less 
interested in the business or that Rachel wouldn't be willing to make the sacrifices necessary for the business, um, whatever reasons in her mind, right? But it's all about kind of like mother bear, I think, um, protecting her family, right? I think at the end of the day, we can argue that family um, family values, right, is a, is a huge deal here. So in my mind, when Rachel's mother and Eleanor have their little stare down, it is like the most intense part of the film for me because at that moment I think Eleanor it finally breaks that wall of like Rachel is also um somebody's daughter that even though this story came out that was very scandalous about her mom running you know cheating on her husband and running away she obviously right we we know from the beginning of that conversation that Nick told her the truth but um I think what I'm getting at is Eleanor finally has this moment where she sees it's like mother to mother. They see each other and finally recognize that Eleanor realizes like Rachel's mother was doing the same, very same thing and protecting her daughter um, with the choices in her life. And that I feel like gives Eleanor this newfound respect for Rachel and her mom, maybe, right? In that she sees them in a totally different light because she's seeing that they're in the same boat, essentially. Like, their lives obviously turned out drastically different, and the path wasn't exactly the same, um, but the motivation was exactly the same. And so I think that finally Eleanor could see the family values that Rachel and her mother had and that it wasn't as far off, um, you know, or foreign as she may have believed um, in the beginning. So to me, <laughs> just watching it as a mom, that's what I think that gets me. Like, that stare down get got me the first time it hit home even harder the second time and I just think if I were in positions like that where like I have a son right and so if he was in a relationship with someone had a partner or whatever the situation was and there was fallout right like you do what any good mother would do and want to protect them but once you are hit with that sudden realization like that that other person is somebody else's child like, you have this new sense of, of empathy, right? That, like, something it made them that way or made them make the decisions that they made. So, I don't know. I think it was this kind of, like, light bulb moment that, yeah, absolutely, Rachel's confrontation mattered and was important. But I think it was, like, that mother recognition in the very end that made her think, like, oh, crap. Like, maybe there's this sliver of possibility Um while still very small and minuscule, that I might have been a little wrong. <laughs> um, so that's, those are my thoughts on it. I won't go into the movie any more than that. Um, but again, I did still enjoy it a second time. I did cry again in the very same parts, even though I knew it was coming. Um, and I still hope that people go to see it. My parents loved it and enjoyed it. My mom said she would go again. And so I hope that... Um, that same kind of energy and feeling is is happening and it looks like it is from you know the success of the second weekend it's it's doing really well and I'm still very happy about it and totally support it so with that um that I wanted to tell that story and just share those thoughts because um I wanted this second episode to really touch on kind of generational gaps because in the second half I want to actually interview my son, and we'll see how this goes. He's 11, um, but I'm interested in his thoughts and his perception now, especially growing up in 
um, a society where he actually has some representation in his life and he has things like Fresh Off the Boat that he watches and actually loves. Like he watches reruns um, on Hulu um, a lot <laughs> and loves the show, loves the characters. I mean, that's actually why he wanted to see Crazy Rich Asians because he was like, that's Eddie's mom. And so I want to hear from him and I know it's not, so bear with me, it's not <laughs> his thing, obviously. And at 11, you know, there are things that he's still figuring out. So just setting that expectation. But I do want to, as a mother, like set these um, kinds of spaces for us to have those conversations and to kind of discuss things as they're happening and, and give him this platform and this um, space to really explore and, and explain how and kind of explore how he feels. Um, moving on and but still related, Crazy Rich Asians. Um, this is not the last that we are seeing of any of these characters um, and creators. Um, there's a ton of news coming out now about kind of what all these folks are working on and what they have um, kind of in store for us. So I think um, sort of chronologically, I guess, um, Henry Golding, um, if you haven't already seen, is playing Blake Lively's husband um, in the new movie A Simple Favor, which is... Um, again, Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick um, in kind of a mystery thriller type um, film, it looks like. Um, it kind of has Gone Girl vibes where Blake Lively's character and Anna Kendrick, they're two moms who meet at, you know, their kids go to the same daycare or school. Um, and then Blake Lively's character has some mysterious... Um, saga and we don't I I mean from the trailer she disappears okay so I don't that's not a spoiler it's in the trailer um and so I guess it's Anna Kendrick's kind of I, she feels um obligated to kind of figure out what happened to her and uncover and so Henry Golding is actually playing the husband so um I'm just shocked and happy for him and surprised because he's he, Crazy Rich Asians was his very first film, and now he's already booked a huge movie um, with some pretty A-list stars right now, if you um, if you will. I think they're <laughs> pretty big. I don't know. Um, so there's that. I don't know anything about his character. Um, he could die in the first five minutes. I don't know. I'm just kidding. So I don't know. But I, I mean, I think based on what we've seen, we can expect good things for him, no matter what that role kind of pans out to be. Um, yeah. Um, moving on. Kevin Kwan, so author of the book, Crazy Rich Asians, um, has signed on to create a drama um, with Amazon. So they've bought it um, and are moving forward with a series and it's about, guess what? Rich Asians. Um, I think this time it's more focused on the Hong Kong um, elite, um, but still very much about family businesses and um, kind of these dynasties um, that exist in, in these communities and, um, and places. So again, I don't know anything about it. I don't think we have even a name yet, um, but that is in the works um, and beginning production very soon. Then we've got Aquafina, who, um, if you didn't love her already, is creating a series on Comedy Central um, about her life, I think. Um, so growing up in, 
oh geez, is it Queens or Brooklyn? <laughs> um, I'm so bad. I'm such a West Coaster. This is, um, da -da -da, power of Google. It is, I don't even know. Of course, no, it's not even. Anyway, but it's about her life um, growing up in New York and um, her kind of journey, I guess, of, of getting to where she is. Um, Queens. Okay, it's Queens, everybody. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so that's going on. Uh, Constance Wu um, is working on an animated film. Uh, called Waste Dragon, which is due out in 2019, but that features some other uh, Crazy Rich Asians cast members, Jimmy O. Yang, um, and then also will feature Jackie Chan, I think John Cho, and Jimmy Wong, who will be also in the live-action Mulan. Um, let's see. Gemma Chan uh, is also has a big, has a full list of, of projects coming up. She's going to be in Mary Queen of Scots, which will be with Margot Robbie and Saoirse Ronan. I love saying her name. So ever since I learned how to say it, Saoirse Ronan. Um, she'll be in that. So that'll be interesting. And then um, what I'm really excited about is seeing her in um, Captain Marvel. So I think I mentioned that briefly in the last episode. Um, but now I have some more information because I did some digging. So she will actually be playing um, Dr. Minerva, who is a, if you follow the Marvel um, universe um, or the comic books, she is a Kree geneticist and spy. So my guess, I don't know what, I don't think we've seen her in full like makeup or costume, but... I assume she's going to be blue, <laughs> so we don't, I don't know how recognizable she'll be, but either way, I'm just excited to see her um, do something in the Marvel um, world, and it will no doubt be more exciting than, uh, what's her name's character, Astrid. I mean, okay, second time around, Astrid kind of grew on me, but I still don't think she's the most exciting character in the movie but anyway and not that's nothing against Gemma Chan as an actress she did a great job playing her I just don't think the story arc gave her a ton of opportunities um but anyway um so Minerva Dr. Minerva you can look it up do some research um but that should be pretty cool um in other news as I mentioned um to all the boys I loved before is still going strong on Netflix. It seems like more um, people are picking up on it and obsessing over many people in the cast, um, uh, especially uh, the lead male, which is Noah. I don't even know if I can say his name right. Centenio or Cent Centenio? Centenio? I don't know. Um, anyway, he's the lead guy. He's super cute. So, of course, everybody um, is in love with him. His character is great and really well written. Um, and then it's, I mean, the cuter thing is I've seen all these articles coming out that a lot of the scenes between him and Lana Condor or, um, Lara Jean, um, a lot of them were improvised. Um, and then the cutest thing I guess I read was the photographs. So spoilers, if you haven't seen it, um, there's a photograph that they took 
on um oh when he has Laura Jean put their picture on her um her phone um there's like a picture of them cuddling right that was actually um a picture that a crew member took of them while they were like literally just hanging out on set um so um the chemistry is real you guys they like each other and it's super cute anyway <laughs> um so Lana Condor actress who plays Laura Jean um, if you did not know, I didn't know this. I didn't put it together because I'm sorry. I felt like I fell off the X-Men movies after, like, Days of Future Past. So X-Men Apocalypse, she plays Jubilee, which I love her as a character. Did not see Apocalypse all the way through, so I don't know what her performance was like or how much screen time Jubilee got. But anyway, that's pretty cool. She looks super cute. Um as Jubilee, um, but the best part is um, I'm actually more excited to see her in her upcoming um, portrayal of Saya in Deadly Class. So Deadly Class um, is an image comic series that just got picked up by Sci-Fi. Um, I am currently reading the series right now, and it's super good. Um, Saya, I think that's how you say it, is the lead um, female and like love interest, I guess, so far in that series. Um, so her role will be pretty, will be a lead role. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Deadly Class, if you don't know anything about it, is kind of what it sounds like. It's kind of Harry Potter meets Hunger Games, where um, it's about a school of assassins. <laughs> and so I don't know how much uh, more I can say about that, but it's it's really cool. Trust me, I have loved the series already. Um, it's actually kind of dark and gritty. Um and so it'll be interesting to see if it has like a rating or I don't know anything about sci-fi um, as a network, but it it's pretty interesting. So um, Deadly Class also some interesting stuff about it that makes it really exciting um, to see coming out will be run by the Russo brothers um, who directed Infinity War, if you didn't know. So that spells good things obviously um coming off of infinity war and more marvel um cinematic universe people benedict wong who plays wong in doctor strange will play master lin who's kind of the headmaster if you will the headmaster assassin um and then the main character is played by a kid i don't know sorry but his name is benjamin wadsworth um and he plays marcus the main main character and that one, I'm just, just to put a flag in it to highlight or <laughs> just keep tabs, the main character in the comic book series is supposed to be Nicaraguan. Now, I don't know um, the entire kind of cultural makeup of <laughs> um, Nicaragua, but Benjamin Wadsworth looks pretty white. Um, I mean, maybe he's like Mestiz. I don't know. I'm not going to... You know, until more information is out, I don't know. But I will just say, in the comic books, the fact that he's Nicaraguan comes up um, very specifically and has kind of a plot, sort of a plot point when he first starts the school. So um, that's all I'll say about that. So I'm just going to keep tabs on it. I'm, I don't know um, yet what that's going to look like, but I just am going to say, like, you know, white whitewashing danger <laughs> i'm gonna not gonna ring the alarm quite yet because i still don't know exactly like i want to do some more digging but just putting that out there so 
Anyway, moving on. Um, my one of my favorite like directors right now, Taika Waititi. Um, he is um, he's been spotted meeting with Marvel, and so this is important or mysterious if you didn't know because um, this follows the saga of James Gunn being fired um, or let go from directing Guardians 3 and so it was kind of it was a saga because it was right he was let go and then they thought he might come back I think Marvel was pushing um, Disney for him to come back you know they were between whoever I mean they're all the same company now but I mean whoever was representing those entities or whatever it was I think there was a there was a tiny sliver of hope for a while that he might get brought back but it didn't happen and so it was an official no um but anyway so on the heels of all of that drama Taika Waititi was seen meeting with Marvel um now if you don't know he was the director of Thor Ragnarok which most people will argue revived the entire like narrative and character of Thor um allowed Chris Hemsworth to really dig into the character, make him more complex, make him more just funny and all around um, good. Like, I liked, I <laughs> loved Ragnarok. It's up there in my top three of Marvel movies. So, um, yeah, it was hilarious. Probably, one, yeah, one of the better MCU films. Um, Taika Waititi, if you did not know, he's not Asian American, but he is native New Zealander. Um, his father's Maori and his mother's Jewish. Um, he is a director of, and directed and starred in, um, What We Do in the Shadows, which is a hilarious, if you have not seen it, hilarious mockumentary about, um, vampires living in present day and trying to, like, <laughs> have a life, um, I guess <laughs> that's how I would that's how I would describe it. It's about these really old vampires who room together, so it's kind of like real world <laughs> um in a way, and they yeah are kind of just talking about like how they survive and and live amongst people and then <laughs> how they have to acquire food and lure people into their homes so uh, I'll leave it at that, but if you watch it's hilarious. it's probably one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Um, one of his other projects was Hunt for the Wilder People, which and might be one of my favorite movies of all time also. Um, it's about a, a kid who ends up being kind of um, a foster kid who ends up kind of staying with uh, this couple. Um, it's set in New Zealand. Um, the kid, the main kid, you'll know him. He's his Julian Dennison. He was... Um, the kid from Deadpool 2, um, so the, the orphan fire starter <laughs> kid, that's him. Uh, anyway, so he gets a, kind of adopted by this couple, um, and the, fa the foster father is Sam Neill, who you'll know from, uh, you know, Jurassic Park um, and other classics, but Sam Neill, dude. And so, anyway, the two of them end up on this journey together for reasons that I won't, <laughs> um, get into if I don't, I won't want to spoil it, but they end up in the bush and in the forest of New Zealand and, um, have to kind of survive. And he's this whole, like, Julian is a great actor and he's hilarious and he's been hilarious in, in both Deadpool, um, and Hunt for the Wilder People. So I encourage you, to watch it um 
if you haven't watched all of Taika Waititi's films, they're amazing. Um, I think some of them, most of, like, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, at least, I've seen either on Netflix or Hulu, but anyway, you can probably catch them pretty easily. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the big mystery. So again, it's not confirmed that it's true that he's going to direct Guardians 3, um, but it is kind of, the timing is interesting, and if you kind of put two and two together, it may not be that far off of a guess. So I guess only time will tell, um, what's going to happen with that, with Guardians, and, um, and even with, you know, whether or not the cast is all going to stay on, um, without Gunn, because, um, if you also have been reading up on, on this saga, um, Dave Bautista has threatened to quit and walk away from the series, um, not series, movies, um, if they didn't use James Gunn's original script. So, who knows what's happening? I'll let you know more when I find out, but that's what I know at the moment. Um, in other news from the margins, we've got the showrunner of Fresh Off the Boat, and I, I might butcher her name, I'm so sorry, Nan Nanachka Khan. She is um, from Iran, grew up in Hawaii, um, was a direct creator and executive producer of um, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 before she went on to do Fresh Off the Boat. From what I remember when Fresh Off the Boat first came out, um, I think she and Eddie Wong, who, okay, so Eddie Wong... <laughs> real person in real life, right? Celebrity chef and has had several shows and, um, has a show on Vice, right? And, um, Fresh Off the Boat was based off his memoirs or autobiography, right? And I guess there was some kind of falling out. I wasn't paying too much attention to it in the very beginning. Um, but I think they, it basically, they ended up kind of going their separate ways, right? Where Eddie went on to kind of do his chef thing and his TV stuff, um, and then Fresh Off the Boat kind of went off um, to do their thing. And not that he's not involved in at all. I think he just stepped pretty far back um, as far as kind of like the direction and tone that it took. Um, anyway, all that to say, um, the show creator, um, Nanachka Khan, is working on a new movie, which will feature... Um, fresh off the boat cast and crew. So Randall Park, um, who plays the dad on fresh off the boat, Lewis, he's going to be the main, um, the main character, like lead male. And then Ali Wong, my like leaf, one of the funniest people that I have ever seen, um, on standup. Um, she's a writer. If you don't know, she's a writer on fresh off the boat. She's got two amazing Netflix specials of which, for both, incidentally, she's pregnant, <laughs> um, and much of her content kind of um, spins off being pregnant and a lot about um, parenthood, being a woman, being a wife, um, and it's just freaking hilarious. Um, not for kids, but hilarious. Um, anyway, so the story it will feature those two as the leads, and it's, I think, going to be kind of a romance rom-com film, Always Be My Maybe. Um, obviously it has that, um, kind of tone. I think that from what I read about the synopsis, there are two childhood friends who kind of keep crossing paths, um, and then maybe end up together. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but features some heavy hitter actors as well, which surprisingly are not the main <laughs> actors. So Daniel Day Kim is supposed to be in it as well as Keanu Reeves. Um, so 
who knows? I have no idea what roles they're playing, but um, they were just listed in the cast when I looked it up. And so that will be kind of interesting to see how that turns out. And note, when I was looking this up, Always Be My Maybe is not to be confused with the 2016 film that was released in the Philippines. And I did think that it might have like been a remake for a second. Um, but then when I looked at the plots, they're not the same at all. So I don't think that's the case. Um, but yeah, if anyone knows anything about that movie, if it was any good, um, let me know because I haven't seen it. Okay, so now to my final kind of news. Well, one of my final news tidbits um, and kind of big thing because it's the most imminent <laughs> that's coming up very soon. So coming out at the end of the month here, um, the 31st, which is tomorrow, um, is John Cho's film called Searching. And this is also a big deal because coming off of the heels of Crazy Rich Asians, John Cho is the first Asian-American male lead in a thriller film. So again, we're getting the specifics right. I'm not saying there haven't been other Asian male leads in other movies, but in a thriller, in this genre, he's an Asian-American lead. And I am so excited about this, and I'm so excited for him because I have been a huge John Cho fan for years, um, and I'm not just talking Harold and Kumar, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I love John Cho, so my love for John Cho goes back to, like, 1998, okay? Charmed. Um, if you were a nerd like me, you grew up watching, or a nerd girl, for me, it was Charmed, um, and Buffy, who, like, shaped my life <laughs> and my love of, um, all things, um, nerdy and, like, nerd culture right? Like, both have very, um, cult, very much cult followings, if you will. Um, I think I'm sticking to the, to my story that I, I swear Buffy is what made me a feminist <laughs> growing up. Um, anyway, more on that later. Anyway, first season, I think it was, John Cho, um, ends up in an episode of Charmed and is a romantic lead, if you will, um, I mean, he is. It's one episode, and that's fine, but he's um, a romantic interest of Piper, the, um, well, she's the middle sister then. Okay. If you watch Chomp, right, you've got the three sisters. Um, <laughs> Prue gets killed off and replaced by Rose McGowan's character, Paige. Anyway, prior to all of that, <laughs> Piper meets John Cho. Um, kind of falls for him. They have this thing and they have this story that's, I mean, very Asian um, centric where he's actually dead and he's a ghost, but he can't move on um, because of some, oh gosh, it's been forever since I've seen this episode, some kind of curse that won't let him fully move on or, you know, move over to the, <laughs> the other side um, because some kind of curse um, that his body has to be, like, buried or something. So, anyway, they, you know, the sisters, the, the charmed ones end up going on this hunt for this demon guy. Um, have to find him. But, anyway, I, okay, so, long story short, Piper, one of the main characters, kind of falls for him. And then, obviously, they can't be together because he did. And then he has to, at, like, the very end, he does move on, <laughs> if you will. And so... Um, it was kind of that, um, 
fleeting romance, but nonetheless, the fact that she liked him, um, in that way, and that he was positioned as kind of this male lead romantic role was, was a huge deal. That was the 90s, too. It was 1998. Um, and I loved him then. I mean, I was probably, was super young, what, like 11? Um, but I (laughs) remember that vividly. Um, and was happy to see him continue to have some decent roles, um, from then on. So, um, I think I have to shout out, so as we're talking Asian-led films and Asian-American stories, um, Better Luck Tomorrow, I have to shout out, um, was a film that I saw, I think as like a, as part of an Asian film festival. So it was an indie film, not, you know, a huge, huge release, um, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it did feature an all Asian cast. It was Asian American specifically and like had an Asian American story. So it was, I guess, kind of a, somebody gets murdered and it's kind of about, um, is it murder? I don't know. Oh my God. See, it's been too long. So I think there's murder. <laughs> there's mystery. People are in high school and it's kind of angsty and <laughs> angry. Um, and, and it was just kind of edgy and really forward thinking for the time that it came out. Um, and it was just interesting because it, um, really highlighted an Asian American story for the first time that I had seen on, on, um, on screen. Um, but again, it wasn't really small. So I saw it as like a film festival event. It was like one theater in San Diego. We do the San Diego Asian Film Festival here. I don't even know if it's still happening, but that used to be a thing. So every year they would play, um, all these kind of independent films and sometimes you'd get actors. And I think John Cho even came one time, um, to one of these and it probably, it was probably that year. I don't, I obviously wasn't there the same day or I would have died. Um, but anyway, some fun facts about Better Luck Tomorrow. So that was 2002. Um, it was, funny enough, produced and like almost like completely funded by MC Hammer. <laughs> and that one I have to credit the Nerdlies podcast because I did not know that until I listened to them. So shout out to the Nerdlies. Hey. Um, so MC Hammer yeah, produced and funded the film. Um, because he just happened to be, I think, friends with the director. So that movie starring John Cho was directed by, um, Justin Lin, who went on to direct a small, tiny little series of films, um, called Fast and Furious. (laughs) So that was kind of his start. Um, yeah, John Cho, one of his earlier projects. And, um, yeah, I don't remember. a ton else about the film. I can't really tell you. Um, but I'll definitely have to go hunt it down and and watch it again. And then of course, so pilot, you know, kind of tracking the career of John Cho, 2004 was Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, um, with subsequent, like, I remember watching the first one and I know, and again, so going back to like, well, what about Jackie Chan movies and Kung Fu films? And so, yeah, I guess you could argue, what about Harold and Kumar? I mean, you did have two Asian leads, um, Cal Penn, John Cho, but I don't know. I mean, it, again, they weren't, it was, it wasn't an ensemble cast. Um, this film, yeah, also gets kind of written off as just a stoner film, which it was, <laughs> but, um, it went on to have, they had like, 
tons of sequels, I think, right? Even like a 3D Christmas special or something. So I don't know. I didn't get that far in those movies. But um, and then you've got a few years later, John Cho becomes Sulu in the Star Trek movie reboots um, and is great in those, but sadly kind of a side character, right? And so now it's just great to see him finally um, come into a lead role like this. He plays a father um, looking for his daughter who's been kidnapped. Um, spoiler alert, so if you don't want to know anything about the movie, then skip this part. But um, the format for searching uh, features the entire film on either a computer screen, a tablet, or a phone in some fashion. So I guess not unlike that, those horror movies about you know, the friends on, what is that called? Is it Unfriended or something? Where it's like the horror film with all the kids who are like, um, Skyping each other. Anyway, so it's something like that. It's, it's heavily relying on kind of this like technology based thing. So he's doing all of his research and like digging up information about what happened to his daughter online and kind of finding out what, you know, she had gotten into or whatever it is. I, again, I don't know. Um, but anyway, that's kind of an interesting fact about the film. It's probably out in some limited theaters. If you check right now, um, officially releases tomorrow, uh, Friday the 31st. And, um, and again, I think following the hype of Crazy Rich Asians, like John Cho and his friends or many actors of, you know, the 10 actors of Asian <laughs> royalty are um, buying out theaters again and showing screenings so screenings of it. So Jamie Chung um, has already um, posted and hosted a um, theater viewing. And so um, it's just fun to see the kind of the outpour of support um, among the, the Asian American acting community and then the community at large going out to support that. So again, I'm just really excited. I love the heck out of John Cho. Um, and I'm happy to see him on the screen again, and I will happily support this movie. Um, and then I just wanted to touch on a tidbit. Um, again, this one's probably the furthest out, but as we know, the Mulan live-action remake has started production. So if you've been following on Instagram, I've posted a few of the pictures of the cast. Uh, Mulan is being played by Chinese actress Yufei Lu. Lu? Sorry. And um, she actually is the first one that we're seeing kind of in costume and character. Um, the others, Ling is being played like um, by Jimmy Wong, who I mentioned earlier. And Poe will be played by Dua Mua. I hope that's how you say it. I love that it rhymes. Um, and that, But he's Poe. He was in um, Gran Torino, I think. And um, then also features, again, some heavy hitters. Um, notably Donnie Yen and Jet Li. So those are kind of, it's a, sh it's shaping up to be a really good cast. Um, I'm hoping, we still don't know, the big mystery to me is like music or no music. Are they going to be a live action musical or are they going to take out all the things that made Mulan great? Um, <laughs> come on, I I'll make a man out of you. Like really, are they not gonna do that whole scene. I would love to see that in live action. It'd be hilarious. Um, so we don't know. I'm, I'm hoping to find out more about the production as it, as it kind of comes out. Hopefully we'll get to see some more people, um, in costume. But other than that, that's all we know. 2020 is the release date. So again, um, 
everything's pretty quiet right now on that. Um, but with that, that's kind of the news, <laughs> news from the margins, if you will. Um, I wanted to segue into kind of this chat with my son. Um, so hang in there and, um, I'll bring him up next. So we're back and I'm here with my son and why don't you introduce yourself and just start with that. Tell people a little bit about yourself. You don't have to say like what school you go to, but what grade are you in and how old are you and all that stuff. Hi, my name is Maddox and I am 11 years old. I'm in sixth grade, which is weird saying. <laughs> still getting used to it, yeah. huh? It's back to school, so it's still kind of new. How do you like sixth grade so far? It's very fun and interesting, <laughs> though. It's hard, yeah, too. Getting yeah. harder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Maddox goes to a school where he's not... Um, it's not considered middle school yet, but it's the end of elementary, so he's the top dog um, at school. And um, we're very lucky because he loves it. He's a pretty good student, so... Um, I wanted to have you on because, as you know, I like to constantly kind of ask you questions and have conversations about, um, you know, our family, our culture, um, and kind of your, like, experiences that your dad and I both have had um, and kind of what that means to us. And so earlier in the episode, I talked about Fresh Off the Boat, and I know that's one of your, like, would you say it's one of your favorite shows? Yeah, yeah, that's probably, like, one of my second, like, top, like, three. <laughs> yeah, because you, you actually, like, just love watching it, and you'll yeah. watch reruns. Uh-huh. Um, cool. So, um, and I know this is something that you won't realize because it's, like, you don't know what you have because you already have it, and so you won't ever have the experience like I did or your dad and I did um, and other people like us who grew up not seeing anybody like us on TV, but for having, you know, a... a f- show with an Asian American family, um, telling their stories, like, that's kind of a big deal. Um, but for you, you just like it, (laughs) right? And kind of enjoy the stories. So do you have a favorite character or a favorite episode? Do you want to talk a little bit about it, what it means to you? Yes, actually, there was my favorite episode in Fresh Off the Boat, where this character, Eddie Wong, the main character, and uh, with his friends, they're all um, anticipating a new game called Shaq Fu, <laughs> and they were all um, like prepared and like saving up money for it. And then one of his friends got it, and then all of them were like, "How is it? How is it?" Eddie saved up enough money too, and then he bought the game. And then they both tested it out, and they said it was really bad. And they all were like overhyped about the game, and. <laughs> noticed that it was really bad and I can relate to that because I spend a lot of money on video games and most of the time it's just like oh that wasn't as fun as I was expecting <laughs> it seemed way more exciting yeah it looks and way then... more exciting in the trailers but when you play it it's like mm, let's see why why we got this here yeah that's funny I'm I'm glad that the stories mean something to you and resonate with you because like dad and I like it because or and I think a lot of people our age like it because it's it's nostalgic for us which means that like eddie and those characters are our age and growing up in our to like the 90s right so um the time period makes it really nostalgic for us so the music and a lot of the references are things that we were listening to and watching when we were growing up and so that's the joy in it but it's cool to see that even though that those kinds of references and things might not mean anything to you like i'm sure plenty of people like shaq fu i don't 
I wasn't a gamer then. I don't know if that's a real game, but I'm going to guess that it probably is. Um, and I just think that it's cool to see that that show and the themes transcend generational gaps, right? Like it was kind of maybe made for us as an audience, like the older millennials, but um, seeing that you being a Gen Z or can like it is really cool. Um, are there any other characters that you really like or feel like that um, I want to say, do you identify with them? But I guess I'll say it is like, in what ways do you think you're like Eddie and which ways and are you not? Maybe. So, yeah, I think like I can relate with Eddie because there's one of his friends named Dave and he's like a white boy and <laughs> he he's always he, like clueless to Asian culture so he's always asking like weird questions to Eddie like yeah. like how do you do this or like what is that like <laughs> why do you wear red or like something like that okay yeah that's really so those things that's what's really interesting to me and that's why I want to open this like conversation up because like do those things happen to you at school do you have conversations like that yeah so like most of, like, my friends that aren't Asian, they're always, like, so, like, what's so different about Asian people than, like, other, like, other, like, races? And I'm, like, it's, like, hard to explain in a way, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> and, like, to me, it seems different, but, like, fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, it, and, it, yeah, I think that's a hard spot for for kids to put you in and kind of what we would call is like kind of spokesperson pressure where they're asking you to like represent all Asian kids right and answer that question like it's a hard thing to do right um so I, yeah I'm glad that at least they're questions and not straight up like bullying or trying to make fun of you but did you have any instances I think well you told me about um kind of the first episode of Fresh Off the Boat that you had a similar experience that, to Eddie where they made fun of his lunch yeah. So in Fresh Off the Boat, there was like a yeah the first episode where they made fun of his lunch for being what did he like bring? Do you know? I can't remember. I think it was like the noodles. Oh, um, chow mein yeah, something. chow mein. And everybody was making fun of his lunch, so he had to go sit in like the back with like the janitor flying Aww. his kite. But in my situation, it was a lot less than like that. But it was like where I was bringing seaweed near like the first day of like fourth grade, I think. Mm -hmm. And I had seaweed, and they were all like, "Ew, what's that? It looks disgusting." And what like really like made me mad about that was because they like made fun of it and were like ew that's gross and they hadn't even tried it yet yeah no I think that's sadly it's sad that that kind of thing still happens because you think that nowadays people would be more informed or used to um different kinds of foods especially with a lot of Asian foods getting popular now right like ramen's really big um Korean barbecue's really big but um, there are still those people that are going to see food and like that's remotely foreign or, you know, and it's going to look weird to them or they're going to think it's weird. So um, it kind of stinks that that still happens. But um, I'm glad you have the attitude of like, yeah, well, don't knock it till you try it. Right. Is that what you've said to people or how do you respond to people when they, they ask you things like that or um, try to question things about you or the things you're eating? So I mean, I kind of like don't react. And I try to explain them in like a fat, like a passive way, <laughs> and like um, they sometimes are like, okay, I understand now. But sometimes I'm like, that still looks like, or sometimes they're like, it's still like really weird. <laughs> but there are some people at my school that are like, oh, I really love sushi. I really love anime, and they're all that stuff. But they love it a little too much, and then it kind of <laughs> gets like, okay, this is getting a little awkward. It's a little weird. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, I think that's 
those are good stories. I appreciate you telling me that. I think what I'm curious to know is like, yeah, is what what are some of the other conversations that you and your schoolmates have had about um, kind of, you know, I want like, that's a big thing to just bring up race, but you know what I mean? Like knowing that you are Asian or Asian American or Filipino, um, has that come up in conversation? And if so, what do those conversations look like in middle school or in sixth grade these days? But like, so there was this one story where um, me and this other Filipino kid at our school named Reed, and there was this other, like, he was, uh, I can't remember his name, and he asked us, like, hey, do you know anything, uh, like, in a different language? And we're like, oh, we know one word, and it's adobo. <laughs> and we were like, oh, yeah, it means cool. It means you're cool. <laughs> and then, so there was this whole thing going around the school where kids were just calling each other adobo, and we're like, me and Reed were, like, giggling at each other, <laughs> knowing that it was just a food, and everybody yeah. was calling each other a food. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So it's interesting and that, you know, at this age, I don't expect you to you know, always want to talk about these things or always be thinking about them, but um, I'm glad that you can kind of share those stories and you seem to have a really good attitude about it. Like, you could be really angry, you could be upset, and you seem to know, you know, to not take some of those things personally. Like, you, you come from this, it sounds like you're, from what you say, you talk about, like, you know that people just don't know any better and they're just asking because they haven't been exposed to that before. Um, I guess to, to build on that, do you feel, does that make you ever question, like, being Filipino? Like, do you ever feel like you don't want to be Filipino, or do you feel proud to be Filipino, and what does that kind of mean to you? To be honest, I don't feel like ever regretting being Filipino, because, like, in everything I feel, like, so normal, like, they always (laughs) include me and stuff, and it's not like... I'm excluded from anything like yeah um like games and stuff yeah that's good and so and you have friends that some who are Filipino and some who aren't right and you all get along really well um which is good um what else what are some things like you love you know one of the things that you love so knowing that my family is not all Filipino but going to um you know dad's family and family gatherings over there. What is that like, and what are the things that you love about going over to Lolo and Lola's? <laughs> so, like, I love the family gatherings because they always set out, like, a bunch of food, and the food's <laughs> the best part because, like, there's, yeah, like, earlier adobo, and then there's, like, uh, what is it called? Um, that's my favorite one. Just describe The, like, cylinder. What is it called? I love it. Yeah, lumpia. I totally forgot. I blanked. It is my favorite thing there. And then I also love Ponce with the calamansi. And, oh, it's amazing. Like, everything there is amazing. And then, like, the pork and everything. Oh, it's so amazing. Always good, yeah. Yeah. Barbecue. All this barbecue pork. Yes. What else? Do you like any of the... I can't remember. The desserts? Do you like turong? The banana one. Oh yes, I love it's those. Like yeah, those are good. Yeah, <laughs> those are really good. Yeah. So what's your, okay of your favorite? So you said lumpia is one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. Do you have a like a top three mm-hmm. Filipino foods? So I think it goes lumpia number one, pancit number two. <laughs> I know, there. I know. And then uh, number three, I think would be 
the what was that soupy stuff the colorata yeah, yeah that stuff is really good <laughs> oh i didn't mean to do that <laughs> ouch <laughs> and uh i don't know i think that's like my top three yeah it's really hard though There's those a lot are of good stuff choices really good. yeah yeah so i like that i mean i'm glad that it's like you can see you kind of get a mixed bag with with my family right and we're kind of you've got um, grandpa's side who's you know they've got mexican he's always like nachos <laughs> we always, yeah we've got the mexican side of the family we've got grandma's side of the family casseroles, um, <laughs> casseroles. we do lots of barbecuing and family we still do lots we have big family gatherings on grandma's side too um and and it's more yeah we do a lot i guess food wise there's sometimes like potluck stuff it's barbecues casseroles yeah if anybody doesn't know because i wouldn't be surprised like everybody when like i say casserole they're like what is that a casserole is like like a it's like a square (laughs) or like a rectangle with like a bunch of like food and stuff shoved inside of it usually with cheese and like meats yeah or some kind of soup yeah cream of chicken or cream there's also like a noodle one yeah yeah that was really good that's pretty funny i had that same experience so when my friends my filipino friends would come over when i was a kid they it was their first time having casserole um and that's what grandma would would fix and so everybody would get really excited and <laughs> about it and it was Same with, like kyle my friend that went with me to like the desert for a week uh-huh. my grandma made like casserole every single night except <laughs> for like two nights and then also when i came back from like uh came back to school and i asked kyle which uh, casserole did you like the best and my friend my best friend cameron overheard me and he's like what's casserole <laughs> he didn't know either yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> and then i started telling them and they were like oh my god it sounds so good <laughs> that's so fun do you have a favorite casserole oh i like the tuna one the tuna casserole really yeah. oh it's like grandma's favorite too right? i like the yeah. one that is what is it the is it Aunt Ellen's crap with meat? The one with oh, Fritos? Yeah, and yeah like, that one's pretty good. It's basically like a we chili casserole, and then it just has Fritos and, and like, cheese on top, and so it's, it's kind of crunchy. Like stuff. Yeah, which <laughs> is, like, it's chili seasoning. Bell. Yeah, it's, it's like, like seasoning. Um, so I love that, I mean, yeah, as a kid, that's kind of how you come into, like, culture and, and get to know different um, families and, and a lot of times that is over food and bonding and family parties and things so um, I'm just happy that you are so um, are, are able to see kind of all these different cultures across the board and you know um, be part of that and feel like you are part of I mean you are part of both of these families but um, it's it's fun to have that. Um, and for me, not growing up in a Filipino household, it's great to have dad's family um, take me in. And I'm, I love my, my mother and father-in-law and I appreciate everything that they've taught me and been able to bring um, to our family too. And so, um, but I just am happy and excited to see how you, you're already growing up to be a great young man (laughs) um and I love you and you know that but I think um it's cool to see kind of the growth there and be able to see you grow up and then you know and be able to have these conversations with you along the way because I don't think a lot of families or parents um and kids have that opportunity so do you want something to say about that so well actually it's not part of that but also there's another thing in like um 
Fresh Off the Boat, and it was like how, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> what was I going to say? Eh, never mind. Go back to what you're saying. I, I'll, I'll try to remember. remember. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that was it for me. I just wanted to say how proud I am of you and that I love you and love your honesty and your ability to be able to talk about kind of things that happen and go on in your life <laughs> because I know very soon it might not be you might not feel the same way do you remember yes, okay remember. go ahead so I remember how in the tv show how Eddie like the only way like he would actually have like friends other than his own race he would have to bond over like rap or like something <laughs> oh, yeah. that was like that's a great point a, a different culture but mm-hmm. like what I like is that people are like, oh, whoa, what's your culture like? And I love that. That is amazing. Like, anime, they figured out that was pretty cool. And then they figured out, like, all that stuff, like the Filipino food back mm-hmm. again. And then they were like, wow, all this stuff is really cool. And then they noticed that a bunch of, like, it's weird. Because as soon as I told them about all that stuff, like, a bunch of new games came out that were, like, Asian culture. <laughs> it was really weird. Like, an example is, like, the Sword Art Online game, yeah. which was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, I mean, you basically, like, you don't mind having those conversations and kind of educating your friends where they, you know, want to be, like, want to be educated, right? And kind of learn more about about you and your culture. And so I think it's great that you guys are having those conversations early on and that it's coming from a place of, like, I want to learn more about that. And that's really interesting. So I'm just really excited that that's how the interactions are did you want to add to that so like the main thing is like i wanted to say like i don't have to like go into like a different culture for me to be like have friends with them sure and also like i like a lot of this stuff from other cultures of like of course memes those are like amazing <laughs> that's like internet I know, that's culture that's like it's like, like awesome totally. though that's yes. like amazing yeah so for those of you who don't know your maddox is kind of a big gamer um, as are many kids his age, Fortnite and all the other um, things are kind of a big deal. Do you want to tell people what else you're into? Yes. Anim- what are your favorite animes? Maybe oh, yeah. So like, I can like name the top five animes of all time for me. Okay. So number one is Sword Art Online. I know there's a lot of haters that don't like uh, Sword Art <laughs> Online, but I felt like it was a really good anime, especially with the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's like a lot of new things coming out in Hulu. There's like like four different like. Um, like arcs to the show and I feel like that's really amazing and the second thing is hold on my second favorite anime of all time I think might be I mean there's an anime movie that's called Your Name and that's really cool that was a great movie yeah (laughs) and then the third favorite anime is like uh, Fairy Tale where these like a bunch of like there's wizards like all around the world that have like magic powers and stuff like that and it's really cool um Number four is probably, I think, let me think about this. I think it might be, like, Full Metal Alchemist. That okay, was really good, Full Metal good Alchemist one. Brotherhood. Yeah. And for fifth, I liked to watch um, Angel Beats. Angel Beats was really was good, actually. About? I don't know that one. So, yeah, it's <laughs> hard to explain. So, it's like, um, when you die and, like, you haven't, you haven't lived, like, a fulfilled life, and it was, like, really boring. And then you go to, like, this afterlife where you can, like, find true happiness. <laughs> and then when you do that, you get, like, evaporated out of that world. And then you can, like, it's hard to explain. You find true happiness. No, that's and I don't, I'm interesting. Trying not to, I'm trying not to spoil anything yeah, if you want to watch it. Yeah, not saying too much. Yeah. No, I kind of, you've piqued my interest. You've done a good job. Um, I love that. Well, there you have it. You've got a 
bonus anime review from Maddox there. So, yeah, he definitely has some expertise that I don't, so I may have you on again to talk about some things related to gaming or anime. Who knows? Whatever you um, want, because you're, you're more of the expert in those areas than I am. Um, but good job. I just want to tell you, you did great. I know you were kind of nervous, but you were, you were amazing. Um, so I think that's it for us, you guys. Um, I appreciate, again, um, anybody who took the time to listen um, and is still... Um, along for this ride and I hope I will see you next time and take care. Okay, I'm back because I'm a very bad host and I did not let my guest give proper shout outs and promotions. So anything you want to shout out Maddox or tell people where they can find you? Yes, so you can follow me at Soulblazer on Instagram and also on youtube.com slash Soulblazer. And we have, like, an unboxing video there. I just started the channel. And then we also have my Twitch TV account, Soul Blazer. Soul Blazer. All right, there you have it, folks. You can follow my kid <laughs> if you want. Be nice. Um, and that's it. Really? You want to say bye? Bye, guys. Bye.